morning. This is Naomi Nachman on Table for Two on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Marzipan Bakery. One taste is all it takes. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food all the time. We are going to have a crazy, amazing show today. This is actually part two of last week's show. We, it was such a big show that we needed to do it in two parts. So we are continuing the conversation right here today. Uh, we are actually meeting on a Wednesday. I have two superstar chefs right here in the studio, plus the guys, the family team from Spices for Less, Mikey and Bella all the way from New Jersey have joined us. So everyone got here today. Um, so we are very, very excited. We are in the studio, got a big pile in front of us of food. <laughs> So we are, ZK and I are very, very happy right now. We're uh, munching on some Griven while I finish up the intro to part two today. So I'm about all the food all the time. I love food. I love shopping for it, cooking, anything food related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet. I give cooking classes. I cater for people for Shabbos, Yantov. Anytime you feel like cooking, you can give me a call. Um, you can join my cooking adventures, which you know are coming up to Thailand soon, um, and my kosher food traveling and sharing your great food ideas. But if I want to hear from you guys, please email me, Naomi at NachamSiegel.com and tell me about your foodie adventures. So uh, I love I love the feedback that everyone's given me, and we're going to address a couple of um, questions and stuff. On, on next week's show. Next week, we're actually going to be preparing for barbecue season. Super excited about that. So we are right now in the studio. Um, I'm getting very excited because I've got a lot going on. As I said, um, you know, just to recap a little bit from the last show, we've got we've got the Thailand trip coming up and I'm giving cooking classes there and I'm, I'm learning so much about Vietnam, about where I'll be giving classes. You know, they hardly have milk there. So they drink their coffee with condensed milk because they couldn't get fresh milk um so they use condensed condensed cream so i'm going to be experimenting making coffee with condensed cream at home so simon springer listen out for my call because we're going to do some experimenting together with coffee all right continuing part two of last week's show into this week i've got with me in the house chef moses slash moshe wendell for <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he was the executive chef and owner of the amazing Paradise Restaurant. Um, and he's in the show today, continuing from last week. And he's got his best foodie buddy, Alex R- R- Rammer <laughs> from Fireside, who's You're going to make all my other foodie buddies jealous. Right. Uh, <laughs> I know, everyone's going to be jealous. Let's recap for the listeners who missed a bit of last week's show. Um, you left, you you closed down Paradise. I sold it. You sold it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. I like doing business too. I know. You've got to make a little money, honey. It's all yeah. about the money sometimes. Um, and you have now opened up The Beast. Tell us, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Where did you start? Did you love cooking at home? Talk, talk to us from the beginning. I'll be honest. I never really like, uh, was like a huge passionate chef guy originally. I, I um... You know, my father kind of thought I'd be a dishwasher or pump gas, and I, I went with dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my first dishwasher job, the head dishwasher, had me fired. Uh, nice, And nice. I kind of, because I was mm. terrible. 
Nah, uh, I don't believe that. No, I really wasn't good at it. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so I begged the, the chef to keep me on. Uh, chef Phil Reynolds was a long time ago. So we're doing like 22, at least 22 years ago, I think. How old were you? I was 16. Young. Um, I begged him to get a job, so he let me prep for like three-something dollars an hour, um, which took me like all day to do basic stuff now that I would kind of probably kick somebody out for. And uh, eventually enough people messed up. I just kind of made my way up the ranks in the kitchen. And then um, about two years into cooking at that place, I got promoted to sous chef. And uh, I went on a trip to France, and I sort of had my eyes open. I had been working what's called staging like at, at uh, other restaurants, like more high-end ones. So kind of my eyes were open that what I was doing wasn't the be-all, end-all of food. Um, so that was what I would do all my days off. And when I went to France, I really saw like a really all-absorbing food culture. So when I came back, I kind of quit my job immediately and went to go work in other places and, you know, got really blessed. I worked for a really good chef for like five years and just teach me about uh, food, but taught me about, you know, having your own business. I mean, he's owned his own restaurant for, it's got to be, he was almost at 20 years when I was there. So that was well over a decade ago, two decades, almost two decades ago at this point. Um, and, uh, long story short, um, eventually I left there. My first chef job lasted a couple of weeks. Uh, just wasn't funded <laughs> the way, the way, the way Uh-oh. I was hoping. Very optimistic. No, I mean, you know, they, they tried their best. Things happen in the restaurant business. Um, and it kind of, you know, back before there was Craigslist, I used to just take my resume, you know, slide in their doors. So I went to Philly where I was kind of living at the time and working in Jersey for a long time. And I, I slid my resume under this one door, not really knowing how well-known a restaurant it was. And I was there for a couple of weeks and it turned out it was one of the most regarded restaurants in Philly. And that was where I sort of started making my bones and working in the more fine These dining place kosher. all the time. No, this, this is You this were is not before. kosher at the time. No, no, no. I didn't start keeping kosher until I was like 28 years old. Um, oh. Ironically, this restaurant, this was me, the other the owner was Jewish, so I was the chef. Most of our clientele was, was Jewish, and I think like uh, like Pighead Turing was our, our biggest seller. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired you as someone who's had the best of the non-kosher world to become kosher? It's fascinating. Um, I was just I think getting older and, and whatever, you know, just getting older. <laughs> and looking for more meaning, right? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. What? Mm-hmm. You mentioned constraints earlier. You know, part of kosher is in a lot of constraints. It gives you a context to, to work with it. I love that. Yeah, so... um. You know, and then when I came to Kosher, it was a very different scene now. There were some people doing really cool stuff. I mean, Levano was still around. Yeah. Mike's was still around. I was I, coming from a whole different Ma- environment. Mike's is actually still around. Mike's is, Mike's is still around. <laughs> Levana uh, is selling. The the, uh, the people the people at Levana, as you'd be surprised, one of them is like basically kind of like my partner. Uh, really? The Kirshenbaum family. Sure, I'm very close to the Kirshenbaum family. You know, you know, Levana was here in the studio last week. She's, I love Levana. She, she's great. She had her, she's selling her meal replacements. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's, I love Levana. She's a go-getter. A real one, one of my biggest up. one of my biggest supporters. Um, Shout out to Lavana. Yeah, <laughs> Mimi, Mimi's my labor law advisor, so you know that whole family. You know, <laughs> um, you know. So, but uh, it was definitely like a, a big tide shift for me, and obviously, everyone wants you to become like the the Mishkiach too. We were just talking about this in the car. So you have to learn all these laws and stuff like that, and sort of. Do, do two jobs at once. That was before I think most kosher chefs. There was really a, an atmosphere of like the the kosher foodie thing, you know. So I was kind of plugging away at this small place. After I worked at Mike's and that didn't work out. Uh, me and you Mike, worked at Mike's. <clears throat> I worked at Mike's for two weeks. Mike's Bistro. <laughs> yeah. Mike's Bistro. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of shook hands. And I, I think you know, my original idea was just to like work kosher and go get smicha or whatever. I was like super duper into it at the time. 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of just, you know, I, I think he felt that was uh, too strong. And it was just, it was a weird, it was a weird fit. But, like, we ended up being really good friends. I, I love that. I have huge respect for Mike and, like, what he does and the fact that he's able to, like, kick out the amount of meals that he does and make people happy and, and still stay interesting, you know, and, and do things the right way. Um, so, shout out to Mike uh, for giving my first kosher opportunity. Uh, and then later on, I was at, um, I did a couple, of, like, odd kosher jobs. I'm not going to detail everything. Uh, yeah, we've only got an hour. Well, well, you know, it's funny. No, so, so we've shared a couple of kitchens. It's kind of funny. So we're just doing, you know, I was at Mosaica for about a year. Um, Where's Mosaica? Mosaica was in Vauxhall, New Jersey, and he took it over after the owner sold it after I left with Seth from ETC. So we were both talking about what an impossible kitchen it was to work in. <laughs> I never ate at Mosaica. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and when Seth had it, it was at Al. <clears throat> Oh, I never even it was, it was, it was, really, it was in the middle of nowhere. Really old kitchen. Okay. Really hard to deal with kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, but uh, what was cool about it was um, I did I did some wine dinners there with uh, with Jay Booksbaum, who we were talking about before. Jay is always on our show. Booksbaum. I love doing that whenever I talk to him on the phone. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he would have actually been really fun to have on today's show also. <laughs> Spices, wine, and food. Come on, what does we have the wine actually? <laughs> just missing Jay. Okay. So then, then I then you know then I opened basil and then uh, after basil. Wait, stop, yeah. stop! I did not know that you opened basil. Yeah, I was the first chef at basil. Ah, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I love basil. Yeah, it was a, it was a great project to work it's on. The first time I up. had homemade pasta. Yeah. I remember we uh, made the first pasta there. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And now I can make my own because I became so obsessed with it. I had to teach myself. Okay, great. And then after I left there, um, you know, uh, I, I opened Pardes and Pardes lasted for a long time, six years, you know. Tough industry, man, right? a tough industry. I mean, you know, I, honestly, there was – at, at, by the time I, I actually sold it, I was looking for a change. I mean, kind of doing the same thing every day for six years. And, you know, when you're the owner, it's not like you can just give your two weeks and leave, you know. So, you know, I feel like doing something different. That's all. Well, we're pleased that you've opened something up. Because well, there's a bit of a void. <laughs> but at least we had Fireside to keep us going in between. Right, Alex? <laughs> Where? In Monty? In Monty. At least if there was no Paradise and before Beast Open, if you wanted a great meal, you could go to Fireside. I'm really embarrassed. There's a lot of great kosher restaurants. I know, but, but know. everyone knows this is Alex's third time on my show. That's very high praise. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of Alex, and I think he's super talented. Well, it's great to have as a neighbor too. That's nice. Yeah, no, so it's, was, nice to, yeah. it's nice to have a non non confrontational kosher chef neighbor nearby. Because <laughs> I ran into whipped cream charges the other day. That's <laughs> you can't that's, just run anywhere and get those in Muncie. That's pretty funny. Wait, so you live near each other? You physically live near each other? No, the restaurants are about six miles apart. Oh, that's far. Yeah, but in oh, Muncie, that's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. In Muncie, you're like neighbors. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, that's you know. funny. A whole five towns is six miles. I know there's, not no one even. I, there's no one else I can call and like, get any help up there from. So, Kosher <laughs> Castle. Yeah. Right, what's that? It's a restaurant. Well, you know, it's it's a hamburger place. Oh, okay. I think, uh, I'm not Muncie, a fan. I love hamburgers. I mean, there's I think there's the Ridge up in Muncie, and then there's Fireside and Beast. Those are the chef-driven restaurants in Muncie. Okay. What was the first one you called, you said? The Ridge. The Ridge. Okay, I've not heard. I've not even heard of that one. Okay, cool. It's okay. small. It's small. Okay, good. So talk to me, Alex, about what I've got in front of me. Alex has prepared me a little bit of a feast. Cause well, okay, first of all, there's one superstar chef. I don't even want to be called a chef in front of Chef and Bell. I'm getting out of here. Okay? But, uh, Can I know. just say? They like, they like you more than me in Muncie. This, so. is, <laughs> this is modesty. Right, that's all, that, that, okay. 
This guy's very modest. Very Alex is very, very, very modest because he's got a restaurant in his own name and he's doing amazing and he's executive chef and he's running the place. It's rocking the place. And to be humbled in front of Moses, you know, that's nice. Yeah. That's so well, I've said many times on the show, you know, Chef Hundel's one of, you know, even though I, I trailed in his restaurant, uh, you know, for three or four days, but um, you, sometimes you don't need... At Pardis? Yeah. You, sometimes you... You it's, a very, it's a very small world. You'd be surprised. Um, right. <laughs> and you don't need a lot of time sometimes to pick up on things. So we spoke about it last show about changing the menu and things like that. So I've been fortunate to work with, you know, Chef Warshaw and Chef Wendell. So that's what we try to do at Fireside also. The, the kind, yeah. You know, changing things, you know, keeping things moving and fluid. And, and uh, yeah, so he, Chef Wendell is a big influence on me. Yeah. I Close think that's world. fantastic. Well, okay. You. Appreciate it. What have we got here? Talk to us about what's we have going on. The we have the chicken skin. Chicken skin, okay. Yeah. What exactly do you do with this? This is chicken skin, okay? I'm holding this up to the camera. You know, we have a YouTube channel. So, you know, people are going to watch us as well as just listen on the Nachum Siegel Net. Okay. Um, th- so, what do you? how do you make this? Well, so we, 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 we basically Next guest will now. smell like chicken. Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I made contact, right? So we're, okay. Right, so, we, we basically flatten the skins out. Uh, and then roast them. Roast them. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't. We don't. Uh, this is not fried. No. Oh, so this is like healthy chicken fat skin. <laughs> yeah. And plus, I, you know, I, I like. Right. It's not. It's not quite as greasy. Okay. Let's eat some more then. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not. Quite, it's not as greasy. Mm. And I feel like the the crisp on it is more consistent. You know, as opposed to having sometimes when you break it up, you do it in the pot, and you fry it. Sometimes you have the little pieces that are soft. So, uh, so we flatten it on sheet pans and we roast it. I want to come and watch you do this. It's probably not so healthy for me because I would like eat the whole. Because I was saying on the last show, I love potato chips. This is like chicken flavored yeah, potato yeah. chips. <coughs> guys, oh, do you want to try some? <laughs> <laughs> I've got the guys from from. Um, In ten years ago, you're going to find out that uh, chicken fat is really good for you. It is. You yeah. said it's not. It's not. No, it is good for you. What? Okay. All right. It's really good. It's unbelievable. Thank you, Chef. All right now. Let's talk about okay. this giant cookie. Yeah, so that's a that's a we call it decadent sugar cookie, and it has pistachios and a couple of other ingredients to make it a little bit different from a regular sugar, sugar cookie. Okay, it has a maple bourbon, uh, like icing on it, and uh, black lava salt. Oh my god, this is really good. CK, it's been a really intense morning. We need to eat. This is great, and uh, you know what? Can I drink it with this? Why not? Why not? Why not? Well, they say you shouldn't drink and eat it at the same time. I shouldn't drink and eat at the same time. That, but like, okay, that was a bad joke. But yeah, you can. You know oh, how you you dunk d- it? some people yeah. dunk cookies in milk. I'm gonna dunk it in my red wine. What could be bad? Okay, so what am I drinking here? All right, so this is a machpela. A machpela. Yeah. So is it is... from Chevron? Could be. Yeah. I'm gonna read the back. Yeah, you can read the back. It's uh, I like it, so I just brought it. Okay, this is one of your favorite reds. Yeah. Okay. It's heavy. What do we learn? So we're it's early in the morning. I we're figured swirling. we could have something heavy. <laughs> Start the day off right. Yeah. <laughs> we also have the Russian River Chardonnay that Jay Buxman spoke about last time. We love that. Uh, yeah, so that's here also. L'chaim. I'm going to make my bracha. Oh, man. Remember, guys, it's Shabbos somewhere. Right. Right? Somewhere. Well, somewhere Shabbos, <laughs> Shabbos never ends. Shabbos never ends. It just hides. It this hides. is chocolate mousse. Chocolate mousse. Oh, we are having a little feast. We're actually going with dessert first. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a little off, and then I'm going to pass it around the studio to my guests and friends. There you go, ZK. 
All right. Now, what's so special about this chocolate mousse? What makes this different? From? Anyone else's chocolate mousse. I don't know. I haven't eaten anybody else's chocolate mousse. Oh, I have a recipe. <laughs> in my... I'm always at work. You should know I have a really good chocolate mousse in my mm-hmm. cookbook, but it's not my recipe. It's Brian Greiker's. Okay. Melts. From do you guys, Chicago. Do you guys know Brian? I don't know him personally, but I know him from social Have you media. met him? Yeah, of course. Of course. Wait, he stayed at my house with his family this summer and he came to you to eat and you made him pasta and vegetarian because his wife's vegetarian. Uh-huh, 100%. They all came over. They were very excited. I try and get along with all the kosher chefs. Mm. This is amazing. There's like a little orange hint, right? Citrusy. Yeah. Citrusy. Right. So, okay. I mean, so first of all, we try to use, obviously, this is another thing that I picked up from like Chef Wendell, Chef Warshaw. Um, you know, always try to use uh, quality ingredients, fresh. Um, I personally like with the desserts, I don't, I don't like things to be overly sweet and I, and I like to blend it with salt and different, um, and different flavors that are more subtle. You know? I like that. Putting salt, and this goes back to spices, putting salt and, and, and savory, uh, yeah. salt and sugar together. Yeah. So that's why like we garnish the, sh- the sugar cookies with black salt. I bought black salt back from Hawaii. Yeah. I caught up the OU because I didn't know if it was kosher, right? Because it doesn't have an OU on it, the black lava salt. It's salt. It's right? salt. It's right? fine. So, Rabbi so, Gruen and Broke. <laughs> so it's probably okay. Right. So I called up. I was in, I was in Maui and I caught, up, I caught up the OU and I'm like, you know, they're five hours ahead. So it's nine in the morning by us. It's two in the afternoon here. In New York, I'm like, hi, it's Naomi Nachman. They're like, hello, because they know who I am because I'm always pestering them with crazy questions. And I'm like, is black salt from Hawaii kosher? And they're like, I'm, I'm calling from Hawaii. They're like, you're calling from where? And then, you know, I got the okay. I got the approval. I shouldn't say got the okay because it was the OU. Yeah. Get it? Sorry, little joke there. I got the approval from the OU that it was thumbs up. <laughs> that it was okay. There you go. Little pun on the hechshas there. Okay, I'm loving this wine, by the way. Yeah, no, the Machbel is, uh, uh, is my favorite right now. Okay, and we'll have to try that wide in a little bit. Okay, so what? what's this? Well, we're gonna eat it once, and then and then we'll come back. So this to is this is this is our cowboy steak. Okay. Um, this one's probably probably forty two ounces. So, uh, USDA prime. Mm, ZK, he's already had his already. Had There's more here, really. You should eat. It's ZK, like butter. You, <laughs> you know. How do you make this? What um, comes through as I eat? <laughs> oh, so well. Okay, so first of all, we wet age our meat. Talk. I'll eat. Yeah, so, so describe we describe the steak. Yeah, so we we wet age our meat. Um, what does that mean? Well, it's a, it's it's vacuum sealed, okay. and as opposed to dry aged, we don't have the facilities to dry age the meat, and um, and people's and today people's palates are really accustomed to the to the wet age. Um, you know, dry age is popular, and I think if we if we had the capacity to put in a dry aging unit, then I then I would go for it. But the wet wet aging also works, and I don't understand. There's wet. Let's explain to our Listeners, wet age right, is wet you can put it in a vacuum pack and you let it dry in the vacuum. Pack. Well, we don't put it in the vacuum. It comes <clears throat> vacuum sealed. So a lot, a lot of these things happen the way basically technology works. So all meat used to be dry aged because that's how it was stored and, and transported. And now it's transported uh, vacuum sealed. So so the meat that you, like when you buy uh, meat in the grocery store, that's wet aged meat. Wet age. So yeah. it comes vacuum packed. Yeah, they right. The, they're getting They're getting their... Primals or whatever they're getting, um, vacuum sealed. Wait. So the so the, the moisture, sealed. the water's not escaping. It doesn't come vacuum sealed like already as a rib steak. No. It comes as a yeah. behemoth. Mm-hmm. Like that's what my mother right. would say. Like the carcass. 
Right, right. The, car- the carcass is portioned out, and then like we get the 103s, the primal ribs. Is that what it's called? It has a, n- a number? Yeah. So you call up and I said like seven 103s? Twenty-five, one of those. <laughs> Twenty-five. Okay, there you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm lot, learning. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm loving yeah. this. And then, and so, and basically, well, the you know, at um, and and so basically, the one hundred three it has the long bone and the short rib is on it, part of the short rib and everything. Um, and so then we generally age them for another three weeks. Okay. And then um, you know, we we butcher them, uh, cut them into so the cowboys are basically you know once we take the top of the rib and and everything off of it, the cowboy is just a long bone with the. Uh, with the, the what you would think of as the ribeye and the and the finger meat, and uh, like we don't French the bones. That's something that um, I don't like Frenching the bone. I like to. Uh, what does that mean, Frenching the bone? Well, when you, you clean the bone, you strip the bone. Okay, so it's you um, know when we talk about Frenching lamb, and I, I've cleaned up the lamb. I think I've done it on Instagram where you clean off the bone. Right. So it looks neat. Right. So style. So that. So that's the thing. So personally, I I like to give the customer all the you know all the meat that they like. I when I get the bone, I like to eat the meat off the bone. So I, I sir, we don't we don't French the bones at Fireside. Um, I had a funny story once where we sent out lamb chops, and um, the waiter comes in and he's like, "Chef, the customer said it's not a lamb chop." And I was like, "Well, what does he think it is?" So he says he he says he's in the industry, he doesn't know, but it's not a lamb chop. So I knew right away that he was thinking that he would just have the medallion and then the bone off of it. But I, I had sent out the whole basically we just saw that sucker, and uh, and I had sent it out. And, um, and so, you know, I went out there and he's like, this isn't lamb. I was like, well, so what is it? So he was like, it's not, I don't know what it is, but it's not lamb. And then he, then he asked me, he's like, do you want me to Google a lamb chop for you and show you? I was like, you know, you know, just give me your plate. So I took his plate. I went in and I cut off all that meat and I sent it out there with just a little medallion. And he sent the waiter back being like, thank you so much. He was so happy. And then I ate the rest of the lamb. <laughs> Why was, but lamb has got such a di- distinct taste. How can he not call it lamb? Well, okay. Well, so he, I, I don't think he really, like his palate and his understanding of, of food wasn't, wasn't equitable to his visual, you know, like somebody Google something that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they now know it. Right. You right. know, so it's like, I guess it, we, we talked about this once the first time I was on the show, the difference between, you know, people who cook really well at home and working in the kitchen. Right. right. I, I, I say I'm a home cook. Yeah. But I run my own catering business from my house. So. Right. Yeah, so, you know, so it's, right, so it's two different. So the I thing could is, not step into the role in a kitchen. I've never been on a line. If you ever want me to work for you guys, though, I'm really happy to. People They're always desperate. say that and they do it. They were? So people always say that and then they do it. And, and then they never want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> or, or no, they, they're usually like, chef, I have to go to the bathroom. And then two hours later, it's like, wait a minute, where did that guy go? They oh, climbed God, out the gone. window. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, so basically he had an idea in his mind of what a lamb chap looks like. As opposed to like, you know, we, we get the whole rack in, you know, the, the animal looks like, for instance, you, you can look at a cow and then you're seeing inside the cow, all the portions of beef that you're eating. And sometimes, and people who, who aren't accustomed to that, they see a cow and then they don't want to eat meat anymore because, oh, they're going to take that cow and shaft it and then process it. So, you know, but if you know the whole animal, so then you understand that the lamb chop isn't the medallion on a French bone, you know, it's coming from a, it's, that's just one part of the whole animal. But he just thought that that's what a lamb chop was. Right. No, lamb is way bigger than <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, but we, that's, so we leave the finger meat on the bones. Uh-huh. Okay. That's very. And give it to the customer. And give it to the customer. Yeah. And they're like, are the plots or not plots? In fact, we do that for parties. We started giving ribeyes 
And so we would take the bones off the bone-in steak from the parties, and we would just roast those and sell them as an ab special for people who like to chew on the bone. Right. My mother loves that. Yeah. Can we do, talk about a moose bouche? I've never heard of a moose bouche till I went to your restaurant there, <laughs> Moses. We were sitting there, and they came over to us, and they're like, would you like a moose bouche? And I'm like, a what a what a what a And they explained it to me. So let's... You give an exam. You tell us all about what an amuse bouche is. When you go to a restaurant, ask for one. See what the <laughs> chef's gonna do. Well, at least we, we don't really have an amuse bouche. I mean, we're we're different kind of dining, though. Well, it's- it's totally different kind of dining. What we do have is um, we have uh, like spiced watermelon seeds. We're doing right now, so we have some kind of thing for you to nosh on while you wait. But we're we're aiming for a much faster style of service there, so we're not really doing a traditional amuse bouche. But like basically, what is an amuse bouche? Tell us. So, so an amuse bouche is basically like uh, something to amuse your palate. Um, before you eat. So, you know, a lot of times you go to a restaurant, you're trying to get an idea what the restaurant is. So with an amuse-bouche, you're really trying to get someone in the mind frame of the kind of meal they're going to eat in one simple bite. You it know, it I, comes on a tasting spoon. It doesn't come on a tasting spoon. It comes on a plate. It can be, you know, any kind of form, you know, a small thing of soup, anything like that. Some restaurants, or if you had done a tasting menu at parties when we were more fo- focused on the tasting it. menu thing, there you go. I did it. Me and Melinda Strauss. We do more than, more than one more than one amuse-bouche to kind of get you in the the mind state of what you were about to have and you kind of work our way up in size of the courses. Um, you know, and you go to other restaurants, you know, especially obviously in, in non-kosher, you see more of it. You know, it's, it's a very good way to just get, getting the idea of what you did. So let's say, you, you know, you ordered a couple of things. It's supposed to get your appetite going, get you excited about the meal and have an idea about what you're going to receive, you know. It's very exciting when you go and you get an amuse-bouche. It's a little tiny. It's chef's choice. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, it's chef's choice, and he, they bring it out, and it's just a little sampling of what's to come. It's a good way to get guys uh, thinking creatively in a kitchen, too. You know, usually it's something you give. I mean, obviously, with your approval and going over the technique to, like, someone who's a younger guy in your kitchen is their first step of, like, designing their own dishes. You know, a lot of people think that, like, you know, in a restaurant, the chef is the one who comes up with dishes. But it, generally, in a properly running kitchen, it's a... Obviously, a chef should be the one who filters the ideas and who the lens of it and should be tasting everything and making sure everything is servable and up to par and even more so instructing the mindset of what things are going to be. But you have to get guys get a little creative if you want them to learn and and grow in your kitchen, you know. So it's a really good place, too, to have, like, what's called your your garmage guy, you know, your salad and dessert guy, which in a lot of restaurants is, like, considered to be a starting position. But really, any restaurant I've run is always an equal position. You know, it's it's cool. I, I try to run level kitchens, you know, where, like, obviously... <clears throat> you know, you have your, your, your rank and order, you know, you have your, your order of people. But as far as, you know, if, if the sous chef is working garmage that day, it's not like he got a demotion, you know. He's excited to work there because the technique on garmage is his interest in technique in the kitchen, <clears throat> pastry, et cetera, even like prep. Even for me, my longest term guy I've worked with is my dishwasher. He views his job and I view his job as more important than pretty much any other thing in there because you want to see a dysfunctional restaurant, watch the dish station break down. And for a guy who can come in and take pride in his work every day, I'll give him a chat. His name is Roger Ricketts. I've worked with him since I hired him for Basil. So we're going back almost a decade. He's followed now. you. You've stayed with him. I have. I've followed him. He's followed me. <laughs> Follow each other. I think because... that's amazing. <laughs> such loyalty, right? Like, course, I love that. Um, you know, so uh, again, you know, the, so back to the original thing, you know, Moose Boots is just a good way to get someone excited about a meal. The same way you do Petty Four on the way out of a meal. You know, you give someone a little something, a little something free, you know, no charge to, to remember you by. You know, so when I'm doing a, a more, parting gift, yeah, when I'm doing a more stylized kind of service, you know, I, I like to include it. I think it's important. That's really nice. Guys, you got to check out these two fantastic restaurants in Monsey. Make it a destination restaurant. You've got eight, nine, ten Sundays in the summer. 
You can go visit both these restaurants. You know, we, uh, we had Memorial Weekend. I always mix up Memorial and Labor Day. You can see that I'm not American, right? Even though I'm here so long, I mix those up still. But we've got July 4th weekend. Go grab a hotel in the Monsey area. Got some nice hotels there, SPG points. Stay overnight. Enjoy. Go hiking in Bear Mountain. Have a wonderful dinner afterwards at Fireside. Um, two summers ago, we went rafting down the Delaware. And from there afterwards, we went out to eat. So, you know, Monty's nice and close. Open, open during nine days. Yeah, open. Are you guys open during the nine days? We haven't discussed that yet. Um, <laughs> it's too far away. But you yeah. can do some great parvas and pastas. <clears throat> oh, he's right, thinking okay. I'm going on vacation. Yeah, no, so, yeah we're, we're, not, we're not open during the nine days. And basically, I don't think we, it's not cost effective for us to be open. Okay. Yeah. Um, no steak, no open the doors. <laughs> right, you know, so, <clears throat> yeah, so we're not, we're not open. Um, you know, because I think <coughs> some of the places that I've worked at that have been open during the nine days is that, um, you know, people go to dairy restaurants. So right. the numbers would be much lower. Do you have a fairy d- favorite dairy restaurant? Me? Yeah. You're a dairy guy? I have a friends that say you just eat dairy to get between flashics. Like, you know. Right, Poppy's Pizza and- <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I guess the thing is, so I, I don't go out to a lot of restaurants, but I, I like Vabonet and, uh, you know, New Dewey in uh, the Upper West Side. Oh, uh, yeah. I was supposed to go there for dinner tonight, four o'clock, an early dinner, because I'm taking this spice class at six. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to go there now. <laughs> no, like I want to go to Basel, but I, but I haven't been out there. I want to go to the new place, Cambria, also. But um, Oh, I think I'm going there. It's in Flatbush, right? Could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll yeah. get there too. That's uh, Jose Soto's a very good friend of mine. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm going. I'm going in a couple. Uh, I think it's next Wednesday. Yeah. Will you tell him? Tell him I said hello. Although we'll probably talk before then. The dishes look great. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm. I'm really excited about going. I'm going with my Mishpacha fan. The Mishpacha. You know, I write for the Mishpacha magazine. So the whole team is getting together at Cam. Cam- what is it called? Cambria. Cam- Cambria. See, it's like Rima Rima. Cambria. Mm-hmm. Cambria. <laughs> I call it Cambria. Yeah, Cambria. Yeah. Okay, we've had a great feast over here. Um, uh, will you guys stick around? Because I'm going to bring Mikey and Bella up here, and they're going to talk about spices. And then you guys can pipe up and speak and join the conversation and drink and eat. Sounds cool. good, right? Switch around. Switch around. He's bringing the white wine with him. Wait, I want a glass of that white wine. You're going to have to sh- Okay, can I just say half a bottle? I'll have the other half. Okay. What what else what else is in that package over there? By the way, uh, well, there's, meat. there's more meat. Yeah, well, I brought the whole cowboy steak. He bought the whole cowboy steak. Okay, that's what we'll yeah, be doing we'll after. Yeah, ZK and I have got Canina Horror. We have Canina Horror, very big appetites. What's underneath? Ice pack. Ice pack. Okay. Can I just say those duck fried duck schnitzel finger things are the Lovely. amazing? Yeah. Can I come to the restaurant and you teach me how to make them? I mean, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> we won't do it on Instagram, so we won't, it'll be a secret. Was it? ZK, make sure you save me some, man. <laughs> He's like, when you're going to be on the show, Naomi, I'm going to eat all that cowboy steak without you. You know what? Then I'm not going to share the griffin with you. <laughs> He's like, all right, fine. Yeah, can you just pour me a little of the white? Let's try the white. And then I'll give the bottle back to Moses. I'm act- I didn't. No, no, no. I only want a little bit. Uh, can I just say I didn't drive into the city today. I've got to spend a long day in Manhattan. Okay, hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Welcome. You? Thank you. So 
interesting story, everyone. I'm just going to, we're going to take a break and then we're going to go into the story, but I want to share the story. So we're just going to do a station ID break. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Marzipan Bakery, where one taste is all it takes. Guys, I got to share the story of how we met. We met through Instagram. They reached out to me and they invited me to check out their website and they sent me a whole bunch of spices. They have they were incredible. The freshest spices. I love the choices because sometimes you just can't find the supermarket, the spices in the supermarket. So I'd like to welcome Bella and his son Mikey on the show. You are all the way from Roselle, New Jersey. I don't even know where that is. Uh, right by Elizabeth. Oh, okay, I know where that is. Pull the, yeah. <coughs> yeah, fantastic. All right. So thank you for joining us today. I really, thank really you appreciate Thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. So you started this company, correct? Yes. Bella. Uh, how many years ago? Well, I started actually Spices for Less. Uh, we got involved with only about a year and a half ago. Okay. I myself, I have been the, in the spice business for 45 years. Well, where did you learn the business from? Okay, well, that's also quite kind of a long story. Okay, we've got a half an hour, don't uh, worry. Okay, I'll I'll try to make it. Well, in short, I came to this country when I was 17 years old from Hungary. Ah. And uh, was looking for a job, and somebody that I knew asked me, are you interested in working for a spice company? I said, I don't care, i got to do something to make a living. Right. So... I was hired by the spice company. I was schlepping everything around and working with the different spices. Uh, eventually, I started learning the language, uh, basically, and was going to college. And uh, the company I was working from, they had promoted me, uh, started working in the office. Eventually, I became, became manager of the spice company. I was working there for 12 years. And after working there for 12 years, in 1984, I decided to start my own spice business. Cool. And I started my own spice business, which is called World Spice Inc. back in 1984. And basically what uh, my company had been doing, and we are still doing it basically under the name World Spice Inc., we are supplying mainly large food manufacturing companies with their different spices, seasonings, and dehydrated vegetables. Uh, we got into the spices for less, kind of one of our customer that kind of was struggling, spices for less, had decided to go out of business, and uh, we took it over from them, and uh, we started doing an online retail business, which... You know, we were not doing any retail before. We were just selling strictly bulk, 50-pound, 100-pound wow. containers of spices. <laughs> That's uh, huge, right, guys? Yeah, well... Chefs? Well, when you say 50-pounder, I mean uh, packaged in 50-pounder, but, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, we have customers who take 40, 60, 80 of these 50-pound packages at a time. <laughs> what are they making with all that? Uh, All kind of food products, Uh all kind of food products. I mean, uh, and we basically, uh, you know, we had all uh, our products 
uh, kosher certified before, but we weren't necessarily targeting the, the kosher co- industry. Right. I mean, frankly, unfortunately, on such a scale, I don't think one can make a living. Right. You have to be able to branch out. Selling because the kosher food manufacturers, basically, it's a, maybe a little known secret. There is only very few of them. Right. And then you have all the different private labels. So, you know, it's not that big. So most of our company, most of our customers were basically the not Jewish companies, but yet still, kosher, uh, using kosher spices. they want to use kosher spices. That you just want to, extend, to be kosher. Correct, because they are not using any ingredients technically that are not kosher. Right. So they want to extend their line and reach out to the kosher consumers. And you are certified under the? Circle K. Okay. Okay, so we'll make we are a little. Okay. We you are, are okay. okay, right? Yes. That was a funny joke before, right? <laughs> yes. Like I didn't mean it yeah, to we be. we are okay. <laughs> so we've discussed the OU and the OK, and both are? Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay, nice. Is it hard to get a kosher license? Pardon me? Is it difficult? Was it difficult? No. Uh, it's uh, not difficult because I tell you, uh, generally speaking, uh, spices, the whole spices, do not really require a hexure. There are exceptions. Okay. But I would say most of them do not require a hexure, just the same way as if you go to the fruit store and you buy a fresh fruit or a fresh vegetable, you don't need a hexure on it. So most of the spices, they are kind of, they are uh, seeds, they are leaves, they are roots, there are no grown naturally, and they are dried basically naturally. So there is no processing involved in them. So kind of, you know, they are all natural. There are no additives to them in most of the cases. As I say, uh, I have many times friends, they ask me the question, they ask me, do spices really need a hexure? And what I tell them is, generally you don't need a hexure, but you need a hexure to know that you don't need a hexure. Right, cool. No, I appreciate that, right guys? And that is the case. Now, if you're talking about any spices that are already ground, or they are blended, seasonings, you you definitely need a hexure on them. Okay, so guys, that's a really important rule. Um, for everyone to know. Because when the spices are ground, depends on what kind of an equipment they were ground on. And by the way, we do all our own in-house grinding uh, of the spices. So we have large grinders, you know, not the little spice grinders that <laughs> yeah, no, you think about can it. Can I just say, I'd love to see that. When I was in Israel sure. um, in January, I went to the Shuk and they ha- have all the spices. But my friend Daniela Renov, who's Peas Love and Carrots, shout out to her. She took me to a place where they took cumin or cinnamon and they ground them in front of us. Yeah. And that's what I bought, like the freshly ground. It was much fresher. Uh, There's no question. I mean, I can get into that part of it also with you. But as I say, uh, you know, we have large grinders and certainly we don't grind, you know, a half a pound or a pound of a product at a time. But uh, we grind anywhere from 2,000 to uh, 20,000 pounds at a time of the various spices. And all the people on our block, they either love the smell or they hate the smell. <laughs> you know, and it's very strange because different people, you know, some people, they say, wow, you guys are getting us really hungry, you know. <laughs> and other okay. ones, they come, they say, how can you stand this smell? Right. I'm sure as the chefs can also agree with it is, well, certain smells after a couple of minutes, your nose gets used to it. So I ask them, 
What smell are you talking about? I don't right. smell anything. Right, right. So, like, curry has a very distinct smell. Not necessarily, okay? The, the reason you say curry has a distinct smell, curry is a blend of different spices, Okay. Right. Curry yes. is not one individual spice. Okay. Right. It's a blend. So, so that's why many times when people walk to our place or walk by the place, they say, mm, "I'm smelling curry," and the only reason they may think they're smelling curry is because they're smelling a combination of different spices. Ah, what, okay. okay. So interesting. But uh, yeah, it has a distinct smell to it, the curry, and basically with curry too, the different type of curries that you get from different companies will have a different smell and a different taste to them. I mean, the basic ingredients are the same, but there are many ingredients in a curry that, you know, different companies use different products. What are the basic ingredients in a curry? The basic ingredients? The basic ingredients in curry would be coriander, cumin, turmeric. I would pretty much leave it at that as the basic ingredients. Yes, you had me at cumin. I love cumin. Okay, and uh, then after that it comes, uh, you know, fenugreek and... uh, Hot pepper, depending on whether you want a mild curry or a hot curry, you will have red pepper, you will have black pepper, fenugreek. Uh, some people will put garlic uh, in the curry. Uh, some of them will put cinnamon, cloves, allspice, any spice basically that you can imagine. Can go in a curry. <laughs> It's like the melting pot of spices is curry, uh, basically, it, it, right? It, it, it is, but, I mean, you better make sure there is the same melting pot of all the different spices every time you give it to your customers right. because consistency is very important. I learned that from, from a very dear friend a long time ago. He said it's all about consistency. Correct. I mean, you could go to the store and you can buy a curry, and then you go to the store and you buy a different brand curry, and the taste will be totally different. Correct. Okay, so, and it's very difficult to tell which one is better. It's a question of which one you like, which one a chef would prefer, which flavor. Right, right. It's definitely very individual. Like people like either love cumin or hate it, like cilantro, yes. right? Not everybody likes cilantro. Correct. I did a cooking class last night, and I, I did, I ask, always ask everyone who does not like cilantro, and about a quarter of the room put up their hands, which is Quite a lot. A lot of people did not like. I'm like, there's too many of you that don't like it because this dish has cilantro in it. So I'm just wondering if some of the people that raise their hands if they even know what cilantro is. <laughs> Do you know what we we call it in Australia? Coriander. Yes. So what's the difference between cilantro okay. and coriander? And you're the right person to ask. Exactly. Okay, I'll be glad to explain it to you. It is the same exact plant. The seed of the plant which is a little round ball mm-hmm. seeds, which you familiar in pickles and on pastrami mostly, is the coriander, we call. The leaves of the plant are, part, uh, I'm sorry, cilantro. Uh, cilantro. They are very, very similar in looks to the parsley flakes. So if they have harvested from the plant before it had gone to seeds, and they took off the leaves, that is cilantro. In Australia, we call coriander, coriander. cilantro. No, we call it coriander, and in America, they call it cilantro. Well, I am really not sure where the names really came from, but te- real technically speaking, one should be called coriander seed, and, and the other should be called God's coriander leaves. Okay, there we go. Australia has it right then, a little more than the Americans. Okay, <laughs> we'll take that. And that's why, by the way, the cilantro has a very similar taste to coriander. Okay, Right, because it's the same plant. 
is the same, same plant, seed. just the seed, seed has more of the essential oils in them, basically, than the leaves. So the leaves are milder. Uh-huh. And also for garnishing purposes, you know, they, yeah, it's a little they work a lot better. <coughs> okay, let's talk about spices. When you buy a spice, how long do we keep the spice for? This is my... Okay. I stand uh, on the band. Uh, uh, I stand on my soapbox about I, spices. I know that's, that's a very big question from a lot of people, basically. How long do you keep your spices? Uh, as a general rule, I would tell people that if they have anything in their kitchen on spices that is... Older than a year, they should toss it. Okay, they throw may, it out. <laughs> they may or may not notice it, but you know. But first of all, number one, spices generally over the age they will lose flavor. Okay, right. so uh, that's one of the problems. The other problem you could have is sitting, and unfortunately, most of the people make a mistake. They have their spices right next to the stove. Um, I'm raising my hand. That's me. It's the worst possible place I know, place I, and I know keep. better. Okay. And uh, restaurants, chefs, uh, they also have that. It's very convenient to have it right handy. It's the worst worst place. Ah, uh, and, and Alex, where are your spices? I don't have a different room, but they're on the other end of the... The other end of the kitchen. These guys are in the know. That's why they're America's top. Kosher chefs. Okay. Technically speaking, spices should always be stored in an airtight container in a cool, dry, and dark place. That was my next question. Okay. Thank you. That is the way you can preserve spices. There are certain spices, really, that they can last decades. Right, like your Pesach spices can stay strong <laughs> after you just... Only, only because you used to it Once starting out very weak. But can I just... Oh, right. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just say, like I read in my Pesach cookbook, I said you can store your Pesach spices like for a year, up to a year, and use them for two Pesachs. So you just close it tightly and put pack it away in your basement, not in your attic where uh, it gets hot. No? I, what I would suggest... Uh-oh. Reprint. Uh, what I, I would suggest to people, first of all, spices are really generally, they are not so expensive. Right, just toss them out and start again. Okay, so I mean, I would really suggest uh, for people to toss out or use up. I'm sorry. Don't toss it out. There is no rule against you using the Pesach spices the whole year round. Right. Just okay? use them up and then chuck so them out. Just use them up. I mean, <laughs> okay. To keep them from one Pesach to another, I'm not crazy about the idea. Okay. I mean, it, I'm not saying that it's going to make you sick or anything. Right. There are, uh, you know, a lot of people, I have a lot of manufacturing customers, they're asking for. Uh, expiration dates on spices. There is no such a thing as expiration date on a spice. Uh, it's not going to get you sick. It's not like uh, milk. milk or meat, meat, you know, or something like that. The problem with the spices is, is that the longer they are sitting around, the more they are losing from the flavor. That's number one. It's like a lot of times I have people walk by our place, walk into our place, and they say, what am I smelling? And I tell them, my profit going out the door. And, <laughs> you know. Moses likes that one. What I, Alex is laughing what I, what too. I meet with that, what I mean with that is that basically when you smell that spice, that flavor has gone and it's gone forever. Okay? And you keep smelling more of it, more is gone. So you can see that eventually most of it is going to be gone. Okay? That is why I said that if you keep it airtight, therefore it's not you don't allow it to evaporate. 
So the air that's making the that's carrying the smell is actually carrying away the carrying flavor. Away. Yes, correct. Exactly. The because in any spice, whether it's a seed, root, or a leaf, uh, basically it's nothing else than a seed, leaf, or a root, for example. And what gives you the flavor is the essential oil, what it has in it. And the essential oils are evaporating from it as they sit around. That is why also the best way to keep spices is to keep them in the whole form and grind them fresh. Like chefs know pepper. Why do you have a chef taking yeah. the... Pepper, pepper grinder. grinder, because when you open up that pepper or any other spice, when you just open it, all the flavors just opened up in them. And right. all of a sudden, it is the strongest possible smell. I mean, I will be glad to invite you, if you come over to us in our grinding room, when we are grinding pepper, for example, you won't be able to go in there. Because your nose gets... Because so much of it is evaporating, you know, that you are choking on it. I mean, you have to wear a mask mask for it. Okay? And I'd love to come. You are welcome anytime. Guys, road trip. We talk about all these road trips all the time. Listen, if you want to go to Muncie, you know, it's it's kind of on the way to you. Okay? So, it's uh, you just take the Jersey Turnpike and you get off exit 13 or whatever. I've got a whole summer of road trips I want to do. And... Right from us, you know, I mean, you are, what, like a half an hour, 40 minutes uh, to Muncie from and Elizabeth, uh, I would say. Not more than that. You can jump right, right up. Yeah. yeah, you can jump. We're having a directions <coughs> conversation here. Yeah, so, you know, you are welcome anytime. But it, but it is, you know, very, very annoying, you know, when we are grinding spices because the flavors are so strong. Your tummy must rumble all day. <laughs> Not mine. Mine, you get mine used doesn't. To it. I tell you something. I don't myself. I don't eat uh, basically the whole day. You know, I'm just too hyper the whole day. Okay? <gasps> I'm very hyper too, but I love eating. Yeah, well, okay. My wife is like that. She's hyper. She eats. I'm hyper. I work. You know, that's so. funny. I do. I am hyper. I eat and work. I <laughs> look, look at my job. Do I not have the best job in the world? No. I get yes, it driven and chocolate Actually, loose talking, and uh, talking about ha- you having the best job in the world, I uh, heard that you are going to Vietnam. I am. With our rabbi. Who? Rabbi Lairfield. Oh, okay. Does he know that I'm going? He knows that I'm going. Did you I mention it, the trip? I hope he knows. I mean, if he doesn't, I will remind him. Oh, he knows. But him. tell him that you met me because yes. we're going on the trip together. Our names yes. are like, like this right now. Yes. So I... We're going to do a Thai spice packet. So whoever's coming on my on the trip to Thailand with Miriam Schreiber's Kosher Legacy Tours, it's a mouthful. I don't really know. I I'm, I'm, I don't know. Have you spoken to uh, Mikey mm. about uh, yeah. uh, us giving you a Thai spice? We have the Thai spice. You know what I did with it? Yeah. So this Shabbos, I'm experimenting because I'm going to Thailand, Vietnam. All I'm doing is cooking Thai and Vietnamese food. I learn a lot about this flavor profile. So I mix it with a little bit of olive oil. I marinated the chicken cutlets in it. And I, I just threw them on a cookie sheet in the oven because I hate grilling them before Erev Shabbos because then they get a bit dried out. So I just like cook, put them on a cookie sheet at 400 convection and it was amazing. Okay. I'm glad you like it because you see, when you're talking about something like a Thai seasoning or for that matter of fact, like I told you, on curry or you could be talking about barbecue seasoning or any kind of a spice blend, basically everybody, just like a chef, has their own ideas and own recipe as to what different spices you should have in that seasoning blend, how much of each of them you should have in there, and 
you know, it can taste totally different. So it's very difficult, like for us, for example, when, uh, when we are supplying customers with a seasoning blend, such as you say the Thai seasoning, it's very difficult because we don't know who, who are the people who are going to be buying it, basically. What is it that they're looking for? You know, I mean, everybody's mother had kind of different recipes, you know, right. when they were cooking. So it's very difficult to try to pick out something that uh, everybody would like. And therefore, you are kind of forced into coming up with something like sort of in the middle that you try to reach out to as many people Agreed. as possible. So it shouldn't be overwhelmingly one flavor. You want to kind of like make sure that everyone will be Correct. okay with it. So yes. let's look at oh, – as oh, nearly lost my groove in there. Oh, God, yeah. that would uh, be awful. Mikey, we brought Mikey some spices. We've got like eight Absolutely. minutes left. So, eight Mikey, left. Oh, okay. all right. Mikey, talk to me for a minute. You join the family business? Yes. That's so exciting. That's yes. great. You're lucky boy. Get to work with yeah. Dad? Absolutely. Because Mum in the no, business I'm too? No, I'm working for him. <laughs> He's a good dad. He's a good dad. Okay, so talk to me what we've got sure, here. Yes, sure. I live with Show and Tell. Um, I love, we love Show and Tell. Show right, and eat in this so in this show. Show the spices. I'm going to show you the packages we offer. This is on the smaller end. Um, so as my father mentioned, we have uh, our business mainly was a wholesale business. So obviously we, we sell 25, 50 pounders, but for the regular people, for the restaurants, stuff like that, these are pretty much the sizes you look for. So we have, this is the smallest pouch, you can look at them, three sizes, these are the smaller end of the pouches. Okay. So So the two ounce, the four ounce, the 16 ounce. So this is what you're selling on on spices for less. That's right. Okay. I like that they actually come, like, is it? When you see the bowl for freshness. You see, they are packed in pouches, while a lot of people prefer them in bags. I mean, I'm sorry, in bottles. bottles. The bottles are not airtight. Okay? Mm. And actually, they stay fresher and longer in the pouches, even after you open them, because you can ziplock, close them. And squeeze out the air. Okay? It's much better to store them that way than in the bottles. I love it. And and it actually takes up less room. You can stick them in the closet. Yes, it's less convenient Absolutely. if you want to shake it or something, but it, it, it keeps them much stronger. Okay, uh, now they're they the... keep the moisture out. These are the on giant the more, On the more bulk end, so we have these two sizes. You're showing me these giant... If you're watching on the on the, on the the YouTube channel, um, we have like... Big so for the five-pounders, we'll go in here. Um, five pounds of salt could go in the smaller one. Um, 16 ounces of thyme, oregano, stuff like that would go in those bags. Okay. Oregano. I say oregano. Oregano? Yeah. That's the Aussie in me. Okay. Already. I don't want to lose out. We've got like six minutes left. Oh, my gosh. We had a lot to say about spices. Half an hour. Uh, yeah, you, actually, my son told me that, uh, oh, you better prepare for the questions. I said, I can talk about spices in my dream. <laughs> uh-huh. for hours. For I hours. love that. See, way too long. That's why we have people in the show who are passionate about food, and we can just... Talk with our heart. Okay, Absolutely. so what have we got there? Is that honey right. powder? That is. What is honey powder? Have you guys heard of that? You've heard of it. What's honey powder? So honey powder is actually great. It's uh, dehydrated honey and sugar, and it's it's actually really good. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. Have you ever bought like a bottle of a big bottle of honey from Costco? Correct. And then it just sits on your shelf because you and can't use the whole thing. And it gets crystallized. And then it gets crystallized and it gets hardened. And then you're like, you now what do I do, now what I do with it? Right. So you microwave it, you put it in a hot pot water. and you pour it out, whatever. So like we didn't want to get all messy with the honey and everything. So I told my wife, I said, I said, we have now this honey powder. Do you want to try it out? She's like, yeah, sure. Bring some more. I'll try it out. You know, she makes challah with it. She, you know, she cooks with it, whatever. So I brought it home and she loves it. Now, now it's the only thing we use. 
I bring him big a big pouch of honey powder, and she puts it in everything. I love this, guys. Spices for less honey powder. Okay, let's line them up. Okay. All right. Let's see what Two we've minutes. got here. Okay, we have some mushroom powder. <gasps> Chilean. What's Chilean mushroom powder? So it's it's uh it's it's kind of like the um, which mushroom the um, porcini. Porcini. It's kind of like the porcini exactly. Exactly. Oh, nice. So it's a very distinct it's mushroom smell. They come from Chile. They, uh, it's a wild mushroom, you know, just like uh, the same so as So if you want to make like mushroom. a really good mushroom sauce, like right, for exactly. a, a fettuccine well, alfredo can, with a little you, mushroom uh, you can take you, you can take a whiff of it and you can tell how strong it smells. Should I open you know? it? Yeah, open it. Yeah, sure. okay. yeah sure. open all of them. Yeah, no, okay. I, I don't know if he has them sealed. No, not sealed. They're not sealed. I, okay, I didn't so seal you can them. just... No, no. You, you can just pull, just pull open. They're just open. pull them open. I didn't seal them before. Okay, like, you do it. I'm yeah. scared. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Oh, I see at the top. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're just, okay, you ready? Let me ship it out. We heat seal it as well. Oh. It's like a real mushroom, right? It smells like... My, my mouth is like watering. Wow, I haven't so Sometimes they... Sometimes so when you smell them, it. they are overpowering. You know? That's it. I mean... Mm. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. I'm really excited right. about this. We've only got like a few minutes left. Um, this is another exciting one. This is a bread dipping blend. Very popular. You know, this is great. So you would mix the bread dipping blend with some olive oil. Some and olive oil, exactly. I'm a big fan of this because, you know, every week I make challah. I love baking bread. It's like, do you find that, do you love baking bread, guys? I don't know if that's a thing <clears> for you. I love to make all kinds of breads. I got very into making my own sourdough breads as well. Um, and this is perfect for the Shabbos table. Okay. Absolutely. What else for dipping that challah. Um, okay, so we have also all different kinds of chili pepper powders 50 different kinds of chili pepper powder. So I brought in one just to look at. There's some habanero powder. Oh, I'm not going to open that. That will burn out my sinuses. <laughs> I already have nose problems. This you can open from far. It's, okay. it's very strong, very strong. So we all, besides for the regular, you know, cayenne pepper, we have jalapeno powder, we have oh, serrano, we have all different kinds of, of peppers for different people like that. Okay. Um, I know, do you have like crazy salt? I know you have a lot of crazy yeah. salts. Our general manager, Miriam L. Wallach, is a salt collector. There's, a, there's a pictures all over her of her here, and she collects salt from all over the world. All right, sure, here's some, here's some sea salt. Salts. Here's some espresso salt. Coffee salt. Espresso yes. bravo. Oh, baby, this must this be great. Smell also. This smells ice amazing. Ice cream, vanilla ice cream. Open, open it up. Okay, we're gonna open this good. up. Yeah, right. Oh, can I? I'm gonna yeah, leave please. this for Miriam. Open up any of them. Yeah, that stuff's good. Oh, it smells of like coffee, chicory. Like it has a little chicory smell. Uh. The chicory smell, you may be, it has nothing else but coffee and salt in there. Uh, wow. Unfortunately, one of the problems that could very well be, uh, when you have so many different spices, sometimes the bags pick bags up a certain smell. Right, right. Smell. But okay, this, this so, smells yes. like, it smells like coffee. Don't get me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, That's really interesting. We have some Jamaican jerk seasoning. Okay. Oh, good. Those are like... Goes like that. Chicken. Chicken, yeah, yeah. Has like the, the sour and, and spicy kind of uh, taste to it. Okay, sour and spicy. That's very Thai a... to do sour and spicy. Okay. All right, and then we have. This is very exciting. Um, hickory smoked sea salt. Oh, hickory smoke. Oh, nice, right? Is that like a barbecue flavor? Okay, guys, <laughs> let's smell that to. Let's send that down to Moses to smell. We've got these very <laughs> fine palettes here. I told you this show would be too big for one show having the yeah, these guys the on. Salt? The coffee salt. Um, that is this one. 
So we have all okay, different kinds. Smell that. Applewood. We have alderwood. Different kinds of, of salts. Uh, and they have the more classic ones. Oh. Also. I'm out of cumin at home. I'm just warning you. <laughs> oh, by the way, keep, keep all of them. I know. I'm just going to keep the cumin. Us. Oh, very us, sweet. So. You're very sweet. Guys, so we were talking about doing a coupon code for our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's a coupon code. To get Spices for Less, you go to Spices with S. Spices for Less. They're on Instagram as well. Please follow them. Uh, coupon code TABLE42. So it's T-A-B-L-E-F-O-R, number two. And then you save 10% on your order and it expires June 16th. So get your summer spices now. This is great. This is really great. No, it can't be June 16th because this is only going to air. Oh. Yeah, so let's extend it to the right, right. I it for a week, week later. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not airing. This, right, yeah, right, we can right. t- because this was our, our super-sized show right. um, so where extend, we did it in two it. weeks. So this is going to um, till the 23rd. The coupon code okay. will expire for 23rd because this is part two of our super-sized show with spices and chefs and a crazy show right here on the Lower East Side as our hour. We've got a minute over our hour. Well, we could probably... Time flies when you're... Time flies. Can I... Ju- <clears throat> you, you got... We started at minute 33. You got like a full 30 minutes talking about spices here. Can I just say, I want to come and I want to have a look at all these spices in this in the warehouse and... You're welcome. We'll, we'll grind. We'll make a Naomi Nachman Maybe blend. Maybe we can make a live show. Okay, ZK, road, road, road trip, I <laughs> love that, absolutely. I absolutely love that. This has been amazing. Moses, I'm honoured to have you here. Again, Alex, always honoured to have you in my studio. Guys, thank you so much for coming into the thank studio you, today. Thank you. thank you for having us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We have a barbecue, uh, t- um, uh, kitchen click coming up next week. I'm sorry, with uh, our barbecue show. We're going to talk about different barbecue equipment to get for the summer for kitchen click. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nakam Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Marzipan Bakery. One taste is all it takes. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Take care.